into our review of The Boys Season 2. You could find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor if you want more. Uh, I am joined by my good friend John, and I am Chris, and we'll be the ones doing this review. John, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. I've got my new computer set up here. I'm talking to you through Audacity instead of GarageBand this time. It's a little new, but I'm ready to talk about The Boys. It was probably one of my favorite shows to come out this year. Uh, so definitely a lot of good things to say about it. Not a ton of criticism, but I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, and the the boys is just taking the internet by storm as far as the the story of it. Uh, uh, just a little bit of behind the scenes. The boys is based off a comic book series, and it's supposed to take place actually around. Uh, it's around September 11th. It's supposed to follow the the events of that and kind of take into account of like a world of superheroes. Uh, we didn't do a season one review because it wasn't as big back then, but now we're doing the season two review because it seems like everyone has watched it. So yeah, that's what we're here for. Uh, and we're just going to go ahead and John, we're going to start it off as non-spoilers. So we're going to, I'm going to ask your opinion on a few, a few things. Don't spoil too many things. Don't give away any twists, any crazy uh, nonsense stuff. Sound good? I'm ready. All right, here we go. So, John, uh, with season two and how it concludes, how did the season, how did it, how how did it, uh, how did it meet your standard? Did it get there? Did you like it? And how did you think of the momentum of the season? No, I I was hooked from season one, and just even from the trailers, I was I was really looking forward to seeing how the story would progress. Um, and honestly, like it, it paid off a lot of things that, that they introduced in season one. Uh, it felt like a very natural progression for the characters. Um, Amazon, I think, noticed how, how widely it was accepted by the general public and how the, the audience response was to it. So they, I think they put a lot more money into it. And you could tell the production value was a lot higher. But it's, it, rather than focus on a ton of new CGI stuff... It was a lot of practical effects still. It still felt like the same show, but they they used the money wisely by bringing in new people or by putting in um, a lot more high-quality effects in very specific ways. Um, Overall, I think it's just a very well-developed show. Um, If you're a fan of Supernatural, it's the same showrunner from that for for a long time. Uh, So Eric Kripke has obviously done... He's got a ton of experience uh, showrunning other very successful shows, and I think he's got another hit on his hands with this. Um, I overall, I, I think that they not only met, or but I think they exceeded my expectations uh, for what I had originally thought going into it. Yeah, for me, this season, this season, season two hit my expectation. It didn't really exceed it. I was a little worried when season one ended that how they're going to follow it up with season two and i very much feel like my expectations were met they weren't blown out of the water and i thought it was a good season i really enjoyed a lot of the choices that they made uh there were some twists and turns that i did not see happening which was very delightful because sometimes shows take this just predictable route so i think uh eric kripke did a great job with this season i do think that amazon has a gem right now and i would encourage people to look at this season because there is some damn good television in it and some storylines that continue in a way that you expect uh and there are some storylines that kind of go off the rails a little bit and there's some storylines 
honestly that kind of fail that me that i lose interest that i had interest in season one and we'll get into that later but it was balanced because there was a lot of things i liked with uh the dynamic between starlight and the boys that team and i also enjoyed i also enjoyed homelander his his character and what happens to him and how he how he copes with it because when you watch season one homelander is just an overall dick and you don't feel bad for him at any moment and in this season i kind of felt bad for him at moments so that's where the scenic season excels for me uh and then the just some of the storylines just didn't really hit and that's more of the kamiko stuff which we'll get into later but go ahead watch it check it out uh but i do have one final question before you can display your territory john sure did you think this season was better than season one overall yes yeah, I, I think that what The Boys does really well is that it's not so much a focus on um, like a show about superheroes specifically and the powers. Like I think a lot of like Marvel and DC stuff has has more focused on lately um, where you, you're really trying to see what the next level of power you can get from these heroes is and then what you're trying to see what the next thing that they can do. Like seeing Captain America lift up Mjolnir at the end of Endgame. Um, you're you're looking to see the actions that these characters can have whereas with this show it's it's almost less about the powers and more about the character growth and character development and so when you when you have a show like that you become more invested in them because you know more of who they are Um, and like with homelander like you said he he's gotten a bit more vulnerable vulnerable we know a little bit more about him throughout the season and so we can relate to that, and so we become more emotionally invested, which then uh, they pay off in really, really creative and new ways. So you you get much more um, uh, connectivity and excitement from watching a show like this, and it stays with you longer, I think, than watching um, a Marvel and a DC movie. And and people who listen to this know exactly, especially how I feel about Marvel. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Marvel fanboy, but I think in an age of superhero fatigue in a lot of cases, I think this show goes uh, above and beyond in a lot of new and creative ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you a lot about what you said about how, how movies, how superhero movies today focus on like the powers rather than the, the element, like the person itself, the character itself. And I really think that the boys fills the void that DC should have filled and, obviously you talked about people on our channel knowing that you're a marvel fanboy you obviously know that i hate dc movies um i say that what i say that jokingly because it's not it's not the material it's not the the source material's fault it's really the people who are kind of putting this stuff together that's where i get mad at but i feel like the boys hits me in the way that i expected dc to hit me where it's more about the characters and how they develop not about how the powers and like oh like i can pick up mjolnir or how i become fat thor and i I just i i have to use my powers in this state and uh, you know all this other stuff but yeah this uh i thought this season was better than season one as well just because i liked how how they i'm not gonna I'm not gonna use that term but i like how the season ended i liked how a lot of things were answered i liked how for the next season I have no idea what's going to happen. And that is a real seller for me of just complete uncertainty because that's how you get a way to tamper or 
temper your expectations because I think that's an issue that Game of Thrones had where each season it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and we all know how that ended going to season well people talk about it lost momentum going to season five season six season seven and ultimately season eight those are the declining seasons uh so yeah Amazon made a lot of great choices and I thought season two was better and I look forward to what happens in season three yeah absolutely so with that we will get into spoiler territory, so for those of you not watched it, or maybe you, uh, you just can't hear about what you don't want to hear about what we're about to talk about, you know, get off. Or for those of you who really just don't care and want to have everything spoiled, like some of the discussion, we're going to do that right now, which we invited. Yeah, teach their own. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to get into spoiler territory and talk about one of the funny things when I talk about storylines continuing is. And I'm not going to get the major stuff first, but the deep. Oh, my gosh. Like, his storyline is just... I, I want to hit this first because I want to hit the huge stuff right away. But, man, how he works with the Church of the Collective is so great. And that was actually one of my favorite parts of this this, this uh, season is the Church of the Collective. And I know some people thought it was weak, but I really liked seeing it because we weren't old enough really to experience, like people our parents and kind of looking at the news when they talked about scientology scientology and this is kind of a this is a a uh, what is it called this is a, a satire of scientology mm -hmm. what we have here in the united states and i think it's hilarious that they're taking a dig at it and doing it with the deep who's kind of supposed to be like this a tom cruise type of figure and have all these things happen to him and the parallel is just hilarious I love it so much. And I love that him and A-Train kind of get into it at one point after the Deep invites him. And that they're uh, they're calling things like, you want, how, would you like a fresca? Like, that's how they invite you into the collective. And even when the Deep the deep is brought into the collective and that, uh, that Hawkeye, basically, the Hawkeye-type character, the eagle person who is supposed to be the person who brought him into the collective, is kind of disavowed by the church for something later on and they're just kind of like he was an asshole and a dick and it's like and the deep is like he was my friend and then the head of the church looks at him he's like you're right he was an asshole it's just like oh man what crazy what a crazy storyline to me obviously it's not the most interesting but that kind of stood out to me as something that was really on brand for the deep yeah and it especially at the very end of of the season when um when he realizes that after all of his after all of the anticipation after all the work that he's put in the fact that he has the sham marriage to somebody that he doesn't even really want to be with <laughs> yeah. um he he gets told that he's still not going to be in it that he just needs to be more patient and that his time will come um that he he it, it kind of clicks with him that he's just been a pawn in all of this and it it kind of puts things back in perspective when like he snaps out of it immediately and just turns on the guy right away. And it almost makes me think like from the very start, he's just been playing this part to try and, and fit in and do what he needs to do to get back on the seven. Um, so it, it, in the beginning, it felt like he was like almost like mind controlled quote unquote, and um, that he was being uh, like hypnotized into trying to do this. And he was just joining a cult but at the end, like, you know that he's just, he's played the game as well. And he, it's all politics. Every single bit of this is just politics. Um, and he still, and the best part is, is he still loses. Like, yeah, he plays exactly. the game and Alistair, who's the guy who's in charge of the church, 
still screws him over. And A-Train, who's in it for like 10 minutes, gets all the glory. And that that is on brand for A-Train. And I or that's on brand for The Deep. And I love how they made him the butt of the of the comedy jokes. <laughs> he is the Meg of this show. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He's the Meg of this show. And well, let's pivot to that because we talk about um, we talked about the Church of the Collective and even Queen Maeve is like, it's a cult. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the bigger reveal that came in early in this season. We get to see Butcher reunite with his wife. And I I was just uh, thinking about it, like how this season started for me. I actually started a little slow. And I thought more of the Becca Butcher stuff would hit me more profoundly. And this is actually one of the storylines that I thought was a little bit weaker was Butcher and his wife. Because in the beginning, you know, he meets her and they, you know, they kiss, they embrace and all this other stuff. And then he's like, let's leave. And, you know, it doesn't really go that way. But at the same time, wasn't really being sold on it. But I loved Becca Butcher's actually... I loved her dynamic with Homelander and how in fear she was for her son, Ryan. That part was more interesting to me than her part with Butcher until the end when she dies. Uh, Cause that was very powerful. But in the beginning with Billy, I didn't really, I didn't really see it too much. What, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, what's, what's difficult about that part of the show is that, um, we're in spoiler territory now in the comics, Becca dies in childbirth because, um, the superhero baby that she gives birth to, who is Ryan in the show, um, basically forces his way out of her and and kills her in childbirth. Um, so there's no Becca at this stage of of what the show is trying to do. Um, so that whole like Ryan, this version of Becca, it's all um, it's all new and it's not from the original content, hmm. uh, which it kind of has like a game of thrones issue to where they have the source material that they that they use but then they're they're going in a totally new direction maybe maybe more of a walking dead comparison compared to uh game of thrones um but they're taking it in a new new direction to keep it interesting and uh diverse for the fans so that we can't predict everything that's going to happen um so it there's not as much of that source material to fall back on when you're trying to see what the dynamic should be or could be and i think overall I mean, I get what they were trying to do. Um, it's hard with eight episodes that are only an hour long each to uh, fully flesh out a character uh, who is stuck in a compound the whole time and you really don't get to see until the very end interact with everyone else around her. Um, so for for having hit her the entire first season and the minimal screen time she had in the second season, I get like I get what they were trying to do. And I, I think I agree with you in that it was a weaker part of the series. Um, but I think if maybe they went to 10 or 12 episodes for the series, for the uh, season, maybe it could have been uh, expanded a little bit more, but I, I think for what they did, they tried to do the most with it. Yeah, for sure. And and because they're making this kind of new storyline with her, it's just, it's not that I'm harping on the actress. I'm just harping on her dynamic with butcher because when yeah. she dies at the end and Butcher picks up that crowbar, I'm feeling a ton of things. And I'm like, oh, this is about to get real. He's going to beat up Ryan. He's going to try and kill Ryan. And it doesn't turn out that way, obviously. But I feel I feel Carl Urban's rage in his character, Billy Butcher, mm-hmm. a lot more than I feel Becca Butcher, you know, meeting up with her husband who 
she left and you know the guilt i don't feel any guilt from her or anything like that she's out there to protect her 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 child ryan but i don't really feel it until she meets up with homelander when homelander starts visiting every now and then and having these stupid breakfast encounters that is just horrifying like i feel her i feel her her rather fear for anthony Starr's homelander but i don't feel her love for billy um, and see that's the thing about the character you don't really get a lot of specific moments from her but you get a lot of her interacting with other characters and you you develop their characters based off of the interaction with her um like we see who ryan is and how she raised him and and then when he gets out into the real world um how he adjusts to that you see her dynamic with homelander and and how he's like psychologically abusing her by keeping her in this compound and threatening her this whole time you see her dynamic with billy and and you like you said like you feel billy's rage when he's when he sees what ryan did to his wife because you you connect with him more emotionally but you don't really have that same connection with her because we haven't had that that same amount of development with her yeah uh, and for sure that that definitely hits on that but you know going to let's go to the boys for a second and see what their development i really love in this season two i love mother's milk and i really love how i really love how he's just he talks about on the i think it was episode four episode five when he's on that trip to Raleigh and he's telling Starlight about his father and how this how this obsession with the soups kind of destroyed their family. And I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that dynamic between Mother's Milk and Starlight. I didn't really feel it so much with uh with Jack Quaid's character so much. Uh I didn't get too much out of Huey. I think, but I, I really liked where he ended up, where his character ended. Cause I felt like in the beginning of the whole, then all this, I felt like in the beginning of season two, Huey was kind of lost in the, in the power dynamics. You know, he's the canary and it was more about Billy butcher and that moment where Homelander, like try uh, like ask Starlight to kill him. And it just doesn't happen because of circumstance because yeah. of the soup war that's going on. But I really, I really enjoyed Starlight in her development she kills somebody and then she kind of she kind of like comforts herself into killing this innocent guy who pulled a gun on billy butcher who probably should have been killed but he just is so freaking lucky every single time so i i mean that's what i think about with the boys and for me the weaker part of their group dynamic was definitely i'm referring to frenchie and kamiko uh it was kind of a low point for me but i loved how Kamiko's brother was introduced in the beginning of the season as that soup terrorist. I just overly enjoyed that. And when he's killed by the big bad of the season in Stormfront, that kind of solidified Stormfront to me as one of the highlight characters of this season as far as acting, as far as consequence, and her overall impact and psyche on the rest of the boys' characters. I love... I thought, honestly, Stormfront and Homelander, uh, the way they were portrayed by anthony star and oh i forget stormfront's character's name or uh actor's name but yeah they i think they're for me the mvps of of this season two as far as acting goes they they hit it out of the park it's aya cash by the way aya cash aya cash yeah i i 
I think so in the in the comics Stormfront is a man he's um basically the German first superhero he was developed by the Nazis before they came over for for Project Paperclip um he uh is supposed to be this like World War II era Nazi figure kind of what they revealed to her to be at the very at the tail end of the season um but he's he's the in the comics his power level is just a little bit below Homelander so he's not really um, the same level of a threat, but he is still like a major player in the game. And with this, I think the gender swap really played to the character's strengths and his weaknesses, where Homelander's looking for this motherly figure after, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's her Michelle's shoes character? Uh, you're talking, uh, you're talking about uh, Madison's, uh, Madeline Stillwell. Yeah, yeah. So after he killed Stillwell, he's looking to fill that void from someone and uh, and they bring her in to fill uh um the the deep's void in the seven and so when you have the two of them pairing off in the beginning it like i i don't know i love the way their dynamic changed where initially it was more of you felt like she was just playing him to to get more supporters but then at the end you have that big reveal of um she was actually Vought's wife she was basically the first hero or the first super and um and so homelander is is like the son that she never had where he is the culmination of all of her work but that's the thing like that and they bang it out (laughs) and it's it's like that uh like that game of thrones kind of dynamic where it's it's more of like an incestual kind of thing without explicitly saying it um but for her i i think she played it beautifully where uh it's so subtle at the beginning but then when she's going through her backstory and and says those german names and and relives those moments in her past it you the accent comes comes through and the the vulnerability comes out and so she's trying to be as real as she can with homelander because she wants to sell him on the idea of this superior race and and all of these nazi ideals that she i mean like that obviously that part of like what we're going through as Americans today, where there's this Nazi resurgence <laughs> and it's so like, so connectable and relatable um, as a series. Uh, Cause that's oh where you gosh. connect with Homelander when she's even like, when she's talking to Ryan, she's like, they're coming after you because of the white genocide and Homelander, yeah. like Homelander makes this like weird look that only the audience can say. And that's like the rest of us where she's trying to manipulate Ryan and Homelander at the same time, and Homelander like hears this, and he's like, "That's a little. That sounds like bullshit to me. Like you, it's the connective tissue." And I love, oh my gosh, Anthony Starr needs to win an Emmy because he is fantastic. He's phenomenal, exactly. And that's the thing. Like in the beginning, she's feeding into his ego, and so he buys into it because he believes that he's the greatest person in the world. He's he believes that he is a god. And then as soon as her, as as soon as she pivots those ideals and her goals towards something other than him specifically, he kind of, he's, he's not buying into it as much. Like she like you, like you said, when she's trying to sell Ryan on the idea of, of this goal of, um, white genocide and, and that's really what's affecting her the most, um, he's he's realizing or he's like seeing through it all and he's realizing that this isn't about me anymore this is about her and some goals that don't really line up what i with what i thought i believed in um but i i guess i'll go along with it as long as it benefits me so you know that he's not he's not 100 percent sold on this but he's just kind of riding the wave to to build on the success and he just wants the adoration from the fans 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the fans, that moment, I think it's in it's in episode three or episode four where he just starts mowing down the crowd in his mind. I jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh my gosh, Homelander finally did it. And it was clearly just uh, a daydream in what he wanted to do. And I, I really enjoyed the season two, how they played with that in these little mind games. But I will say, like, I, I we could praise Homelander the whole entire time because... Anthony Starr does a banger job, but I, I feel like when it comes to some of the things that I was like, okay, my expectations were met, but they weren't exceeded, it goes to Starlight and and Huey, where I just don't really, or Annie and Huey, you know, I just don't really feel the love that they had for each other compared to the first season where it felt really natural. And in this season, I know, you know, Annie says like, no you know, we shouldn't see each other anymore. And then like they save Huey after the, the, the kind of research facility break in and all of that jazz. And she kind of gets closer to Billy butcher a little bit, kind of him warming up to her and vice versa. Like I just didn't feel the, the emotional connection between those two, but I really loved where starlight's character ended up just being a little bit more hardened and actually a little bit more real. Cause for most of it she's a superhero and she kind of feels helpless through most of season two and in season one she's she kind of saves them from the 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 cia or the vot the little prison wherever where you know a train has his like mini heart attack at the end of season one but in in this season i kind of see her kind of taking a back seat despite her being the reason they get so much so much like headway with you know the release of compound v and her and her you know her blackmailing of her friend that she had back then the dude who could grow limbs back so i i, I don't know like there were the characters shined in different ways and i like starlight even though i don't really like what they did between her and huey i i think it's interesting she takes a back seat and still kind of comes out stronger in her character development yeah, and it felt like they were taking the entire season to um, separate her and Huey when um, like I, it feels like their their endings were very natural and they they kind of left things off where they're still together and she's still part of the boys, but he's going to try and go off and, and create his own identity and, and um, do what he wants to do with his life. Um, and it, I feel like they took an idea that could have been condensed down to maybe four episodes and they just spread it out over eight. So it just felt like it was really drug out. Um, and not, like I said, like it doesn't, the end was justified and it felt like a natural end to where it all should have been, but it felt like a conversation that probably could have happened midway through the, or through the series. And then, um, potentially kind of let them be more independent at the end of it. But Again, it's all going to be about context. Like, I think the first season was about their um, their relationship together and how they were as a couple. The second season is about them both cre- being less naive than they were in the first season and creating their own uh, individual identities and figuring out who how they fit into this world where Starlight is has questioned all of the beliefs and all the things that she's been raised with and is trying to figure out how she can justify that with what what needs to be done in this world and and in the seven and huey's 
trying to figure out how he can fit in and and contribute in any real meaningful way with um such a, a like a weak mentality that he had his whole life i mean like he he was the victim in everything and now he's finally able to stand up for himself and he's got the self-confidence and he's doing things for himself and he doesn't need butcher pushing him in the in the right direction he's he's going on there he's going in that direction on his own now yeah and speaking of the end let's talk about kind of the crazy twists that happen uh starting with the red herring cindy which we see in the research facility. And I'm thinking like, man, we're going to see this girl come back and heads are popping off. It happens to just be that it's this congresswoman, the way they kill Alistair. And you just, the the way that everything is wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end of season two. And then you have this idea that's like, oh, we're definitely coming back because Homelander gets framed by Queen Maeve and her breakdown in the season is, incredibly fascinating i think a lot of people can relate to mave because you do get to see a lot of parallels between like the real like our world and marketing and her world just crumbling apart from the uh outside in kind of or from the inside out kind of like you see with like a lot of child actors where like all this stuff is on them and they're just not mentally stable and queen mave just having to grip with that the fact that people are trying to be like you're you're a strong lesbian couple and you know the elena who she's seeing is like she's bisexual and they're like yeah but it's the same thing right and it's just like those marketing people and they're being like huge dicks and just the way the way the show ends and i know i praised it but how they wrap it up in a bow is really great because at no point am i feeling underwhelmed at no point am i feeling overwhelmed because the characters have made growth and the characters are all have things that the audience can relate to. And I'm trying to vamp so I can find the name of the Congresswoman who's just blowing people's heads off. Oh, Victoria Newman, Victoria Newman. Yeah. in in the show, it's just her, her care. Victoria Newman is just like blowing people's heads off. And I thought it was Cindy for sure. And they use it as a red herring and I thought it was used extremely well. Uh, but I'm curious if we're going to see Cindy again. And that would be, that would be one of those things where I would be very excited for for them to bring her back later on. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those unknowns now, like you have, you know, who Newman is, you know, how she has kind of played the system and is probably working with Stan Edgar to further the interest of Vaught. Um, and, and now you have Cindy who's just out there in the world and, is it could pop up completely randomly but she's she's a a player in this now and she's loose um so you don't know when she's going to come up next the the showrunner did say that they've confirmed that they have plans for five seasons so oh gosh they're about to start production on season three i think in january um and and so like this is obviously they've already mapped this out they know where this is going and and i think amazon is going to milk this for all it's worth um so they have five strong seasons planned right now who knows i think the comics are still going so they might continue to push it um who knows for exactly how long this is going to go um i'm sure i i would watch the show for 13 seasons if they could keep this quality up like this yeah definitely if they keep the quality up i think that would just be a testament to great television it'd be a testament to amazon because amazon is killing it right now and i think the boys 
they really got to treat this well after so many failures and shows like how uh, The Walking Dead fell off, how Game of Thrones kind of, you know, went up and down like a roller coaster. Well, it wasn't a roller coaster. It was clearly there was a peak and just a, a terrible ending to that show. And I'm sure that George R. R. Martin is writing a totally different ending and they totally botched it. Uh, D.B. D.B. Weiss and uh, the other guy. I don't know. I don't really care about their names anymore. Benny Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to you and asking, like, what are your... What are your highs and lows for season two? Oh, man. Um, my lows, I'll start with those. I, I think we kind of already hit them, hit on them a little bit, but probably um, the length of Huey's character developments. Um, like I said, it just felt like it could have been condensed more, but I get it. So it's not, it wasn't a huge deal for me, but it was just one of the things that kind of stood out that dragged on a little bit. Um, that... And yeah, I mean, we've kind of hit on the lows already, but the highs for me, um, like I said, I, I think they they put the money in the best possible places for the show. And it would have been really easy to have millions of dollars put into Stormfront special effects with the lightning, um, with her destruction that she ca- could cause, uh, with Homelander and the destruction, destruction he could cause. But rather than focus on like the brutality of those characters, they just left it to really small moments to really show how how crazy and dangerous these people are. Like when they um, killed that that robber in the middle of the alleyway and then just crushed his head in and, and decided to have sex right on top of him. Um, you didn't like the part where uh, those uh, agents went looking for Ryan and then Homelander walks in the house and he lasers one. Well, no, and no, then no, he like... walks out of the house and he's just covered in blood. But that's what I'm talking about. Things like that, where rather than... Oh, you showing... wanted more of that. No, 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 no. Listen to me, Chris. No. <laughs> so it's it's the, the restraint that they showed with the budget. Like, it would have been really easy for them to show... Oh. For them to play out that entire scene. And they could have... They would have had the money for it. It would have been visceral and it would have been... It would have been interesting to see and very brutal. But rather than... Um, rather than playing those types of moments out that are like those really big budget action moments, they let people's imaginations run rampant with it. And so they just, they focused on the little moments throughout the season. And then at the very end, you had one big action set piece um, that even felt a little restrained for me. Mm. Um, But by, by pulling the restraint on the, the, what could have been big moments, like you said, like the, like the cabin moments, um, like Homelander's reveal of like, thinking about being all this homicidal maniac um it rather than showing you everything that that they could do and that the characters are thinking it by giving more power to the audience's imagination it makes it so much more fulfilling because we can imagine this entirely brutal crazy scene in our heads that fulfills our own interest and desires whereas if they played it out it would disappoint people because it may not be as it wouldn't have met everyone's expectations um so it was interesting knowing when to pull back and when to let it let loose. And I, I think it was just a really intelligent move that ah. used the budget wisely. Okay, I thought you were shitting on the budget for a second. I was like, does he want this to be more like a Man of Steel? And then you're like, I really liked how it done. I was like, oh, I got you. Restraint. Restraint. Exactly. I was like, no, I don't want this to be like Man of Steel at all because the, the story sucks. 
but I and also see, really do love buildings blowing up. But we we don't ever like the probably the best scene of Carnage that we get is is the plane. Um, yeah, the, the plane, plane and um, and and Stormfront uh, meeting up with Kimiko's brother. Um, and oh that, yeah, the, the fight the they had apartment. in that yeah yeah, and that's the thing. Like you don't even show like you have like an occasional scene like that that reminds you of what these characters are capable of and you it's a visual representation but a lot of times it's just left to your imagination and like they they show you the start of it and then they let you imagine what it could be like and then you see homelander walk out in a bloody mess and it's just gory and brutal and visceral and it's just that to me is much more uh it's much more of a sign of an intelligent and a wise showrunner then I think if if they had let somebody brand new do this with Amazon money, I think that they would have just gone crazy with it, and it wouldn't have been hmm. as as satisfying. I I see the point that you're making now, especially when they were able to get a real whale to puncture through. Exactly. No, that whale is totally fake. But the 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 prop design that they made for when they were inside, insanely great. Really, oh my gosh. really good. But for me, the highs and lows, um, my low, my lowest low has got to be the Kimiko and Frenchie interactions and not like the characters themselves, like doing their own shit. I think that them as a dynamic of being let's kind of like love this couple kind of how it ends at the end of the season. I didn't really like that, but I was kind I was happy for them at the same time. I was like, oh, they've kind of found a, a happy way to communicate great for them but i just didn't feel it a lot during the season even though i thought uh kimiko's like when she's got like the she's spending like her her blood money on jewelry and she's got like the the jewelry that says boss on her fingers yeah i really enjoyed that and she like huffs on it and then you know <laughs> polishes it i'm like that's so baller and then going to frenchie you know even though i don't like their dynamic i thought him explaining what happened on the night with a lamplighter. Oh, oh my gosh. So well done. I, that's one of the highs of the season for me. I have two highs for the seasons. The whole lamplighter situation with Frenchie, as if I couldn't love the character Frenchie more. Like this just makes him so much more connectable. This makes him so much more flawed in a way that it's just that he has a heart and he talks about a lot in season one about his father and how his father was cruel. And then in season two, we get to see how he felt so much guilt for what happened to Mallory's uh, grandchildren. He couldn't face her and telling her the truth of what ha- truth of what happened. And even Lamplighter is like, why didn't you stop me? Like the amount of pressure on Frenchie that we didn't know about is incredible. And actually explains a lot of the beef that mother's milk and him have. And, even Mother's Milk is like, if you have told us, we would have totally understood. And may, and the way he... The the dialogue in this is so fantastic. It's so... It's it's a great insight in what the human mind does to itself. In which he's like, what well, makes you think I want you to forgive me? Yeah. Or I want to be forgiven. And it's just... It's a weight of, of the human element of that. We will knock ourselves down and act like we don't want forgiveness. Because what we did is so uh so horrific even though it's understandable like we're just not giving ourselves a win and i love i love what the showrunners did with that moment that's one of my highs 
And then the other high is Queen Maeve. Just uh, just her like talking to Star like, is this your twink? And <laughs> how she's making fun of Huey and how she's with Elena. And Elena's like, I'm going to go to my, my mother's house. And, you know, Elena just flips the table in disgust. And, and Elena's or and Elena's just looking at Maeve like she's an insane person. And she's just like so scared for her life. And Maeve isn't angry at Elena. She's just angry with herself and the whole situation. Even to a point where she's like having sex with that one. She had sex with that one guy. And Ashley comes into her, her, uh, her Vought, you know, apartment. And she's like, what are you doing? I need you. This is what's supposed to happen. What happened to Elena? And Maeve's like, she's gone. And she's just like, we're going to get her back no matter what. And Maeve's like, Ashley could you just have a fucking heart and just immediately Ashley turns the, turns the corner. just like, I'm so sorry. It's just like the way her dynamic is. I really loved queen Maeve and I I could go on about Homelander and all this stuff. But for me, the hidden gem in this is definitely queen Maeve and her coming out of nowhere to beat up Stormfront. Like that was a great shock for me. And that's why she, for me, the high, one of the, gems of this of this season two is queen Maeve. so that actually leads into an interesting point so i remember when we walked out of endgame one of the first criticisms i know that i had at least was that moment that felt so oh. forced you know where i'm going with this girls where, get it done exactly where endgame just forced all of their female characters on on screen for one moment just to kind of please a handful of fanboys that wanted the um the a-force team and and it just felt so unnatural and all of the characters individually are great but that that circumstance was just so forced that it 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 just didn't feel um organic in the in the in the moment but with this like they obviously parried parodied that hard and that whole idea that they had set up from the beginning of girls get it done that by the end of it and frenchie is like oh yeah girls do get it done oh, yeah. it, it was not only like funny, but it was satisfying because um, like it felt all of these characters coming together was a very natural progression of their character arcs. Um, they all grew from it and they all faced this this one unifying foe together and they all had a reason for being there, um, which led to it being so much more satisfying or gratifying seeing them all together. And it didn't feel cheesy. I don't know how you felt about it when they finally said, like, yeah, girls do get it done. Oh, but I thought it, it was great. Exactly. Like, it, it just, I love when there's those authentic moments like that. And the fact that they were able to parody something that Marvel tried to do so well. Oh, my gosh. That was that was so satisfying. It, it, was, it was really nice to see it done well because, you know, it's not one of those things that it, it's like when a bunch of, when it's such a weird thing to explain, but the way they set it up, the way they do it. And it's not us trying to like critique like Marvel. No. Yeah. Yeah. We are critiquing Marvel for it. Oh yeah. uh, The way they did it. It's just, it didn't feel organic. And a lot of the things about empowerment and equality, is just like, it just needs to be natural. And a lot of people online are like, don't force this stuff on us, which, you know, we're very much pro 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 equality. It's one of those things where it's like, are you, are you doing something how does it come across? Because it felt like a, a big cash grab with the way that they did it. And even earlier in the show, they do do the girls get it done, but it's in the movie filter. It's overly done. It's obviously Vought 
trying to get a return on investments and be positive and make more money by doing this girls get it done campaign and the way they show it at the end of the season like you said you said it already but it's just there's a way to organically treat something to say that like oh that is how it's done you know and i i 100% agree with you just that hilarious parody there and the fact that the boys the boys gets it right this show gets it right they're doing so many things better than how superhero movies do it in general and i think uh i think i talked talked about like um the the thing that we are lacking in superhero movies is kind of a, a stronger love story and even though i have my critiques of how Huey and and uh, Annie are getting along and how their love story is developing which in season one I thought was fantastic in season two a little bit weaker but you know the superhero genres like the way they failed at doing that this show is getting right and I just want to highlight this show gets a lot of things it just hits the nail the, the it hits the the head on the nail right that's the way you say it hits yeah. the nail on the head Hits the nail on the head, not the head on the nail. Well, you know, uh, you know. If you're smashing your head into a nail, something's not right. Yeah, it might look like a Looney Tunes cartoon. But yeah, uh, overall, I think, uh, would you say season two, very positive, right? Yes. Oh, 100%. 100% positive. There we go. That's that's basically my feeling, too. This was great. Um, just before we go, what do you think's going to happen? What are you looking for in season three? Is there anything you want them to fix, or is there a storyline you want to see specifically what, what what's your head around so they're going to introduce soldier boy played by jensen ackles um that's true no played by soldier boy soldier boy soldier boy no i'm just kidding that's not happening <laughs> oh man soldier boy played by soldier boy um so in in the comics it it's the show is going to do like kind of an amalgamation of of the different variations of this character and and so in the comics he's like this parody on captain america um when he's like trying to root people on he's like he says the names of different states he's just very cliche and cheesy and very subservient to homelander and in this he's he's going to be similar to stormfront and and that it's going to be like kind of a a merge of rather than in the comics there's there's the original uh, soldier boy uh who fought in world war ii and then there's somebody else who takes up the mantle in the modern day this is going to be he is um the first american superhero he is homelander before there was homelander and so he's he's from a different era he's kind of been retired i guess for a while now he's been out of the limelight and so he's being brought back and he's going to be that that parry to homelander um and it's going to be really interesting for me to see how how they change that dynamic from what they did with stormfront who was kind of on par with him power wise and i think soldier boy is going to do the same thing but how they um uh use him to kind of go up against homelander and maybe challenge his ideals on certain things and maybe soldier boy is the one who releases homelander's ego and he's maybe this is what it's going to take to let him do whatever the heck he wants like he said at the very end of the show um but i think jensen ackles is an incredible actor who I'm really excited to see his take on a, on a new character. Um, and I, I think more than anything, I'm looking forward to that new dynamic that we're going to be introduced to. There's a couple other little storylines that they've, 
confirmed that they're going to do that I don't know if it's going to happen this next season. Um, uh, there's a whole thing called Herogasm. Look it up if you want. It's pretty insane. Um, but it, it just sounds like they're going to keep upping the ante every season. And I'm, I, like I said, like they've already teased who the main, one of the main new characters is going to be. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that dynamic just increases or change and changes and, and doesn't stay so stagnant in going into this new season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, well, at least for me, my big thing is I want to see a lot more of Stan Edgar mm -hmm. and how his dynamic with Homelander is now and how he gets involved with Soldier Boy. But the great thing about this show that I want them to explore along with Stan Stan Edgar, uh, John Carlo Exposito's character, is just this weird thing about this show and how it explores the machine of the American political and marketing system. And it's more of a marketing system. And I love how this show is trying to be like, not pander, not lecture, but just kind of get you to look at the different scenarios that we're seeing parallel in our lives as Americans. Cause, and this is not to get, you know, off topic of the boys, but it's more of to compliment the genius of the boys where it doesn't matter what part of the aisle you are on, whether it be, left right you know up down it, it really is one of those things where you're looking at the show and they're kind of giving you the behind the scenes of the marketing the political bs like even you even see it with the vice president in season two where mallory is trying to talk to him and he's like listen i don't like stormfront i don't like any of this but we have to do it you know and, and they're just like have a fucking spot and he's like i would love to but unfortunately i can't and he just going through like the he's like going consequence 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 he's going through all this stuff and it's like we expect better from leaders but they're also it's also to get us to understand what we're dealing with here because there is there's another entity that's kind of controlling what the government has to do and i just love this show for pointing that out because it's like oh you have a character who's a nazi and and people love this person and they don't know she's a nazi and she's kind of going hyper one way and it doesn't matter if it's left or right. Like she's the, she's the enigma that is extremism in the in in the United States. And even when the point where they comes out that she's an, a Nazi, like it's as easy as what we're facing right now. Like those are easily deep fakes. Those aren't real. All this stuff is bullshit. And we've taken control of it. And it's one of those things. Where it's like you can't think about it. Like what is what can you believe now? Um, well, where's a reliable source for anything? And that's not that's not to say like one source is completely right and one source is completely wrong, but it is one of those things. It's just like, I think that as Americans, we are tricked to believe into a lot of things and it, does, it, it, and it, it goes on both sides. Like, And I just like that this show is trying to treat us like, you know, hey, guess what, America? You're a little bit smarter than that. You know, look at what we're putting on, like with the Church of the Collective and even the church with starlight in season one i thought was hilarious it's just like oh you can't have sex before before you're before you get married and you know starlight's like well and 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 the guy's like don't do that you know don't tell them what the real answer is or or they didn't say it but they all looked at her like come on lie to them it's yeah. just it's it's a show that wants to be real with you and i appreciate it being told in such a masterful way 
and uh yeah that's why that's what i'm looking for in season three to continue explore that maybe in a different way um because there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels that we saw to some things in america that i thought were hilarious so great yeah the writing on the show is just spot on and so well crafted every single episode yeah absolutely but I think that's going to wrap it up for our review. We definitely, I think John and I both wholeheartedly recommend you go check out The Boys. It's streaming on Amazon. Uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account, check it out. You know, get Amazon Video. Do what you can. It is a, it is well worth, it is a great show to watch. And I think it's different from Ozark where it's cringy television. This is like exciting, thrilling television and very masterfully done. Please check it out. Um, we're not going to do, I'm pretty sure we're not going to do a season one review because we just did season two. Yeah. It wasn't as big back then, but watch both seasons and yeah, we're, we'll be excited. Uh, probably we haven't discussed this, but, uh, just a quick, uh, one or two sentences. We're going to review Mandalorian season two, right? Oh yeah. I thought that was a given. That's a given. All right. So you guys will, yeah, we'll probably do that episodically like we did last time. So that'll be starting up actually what within a week right john yeah it premieres on the 30th so we'll have that out a few days after the fact um hopefully maybe on a monday or tuesday so we'll try and get it in and um yeah stick with us for that yeah yeah so like we said a couple weeks we'll have a uh, our review of mandalorian going up and uh all right everyone that's the end of our review and uh we hope you're excited all right thanks guys bye bye <laughs>